Hello, humans. Hello, 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 humans of the world. It's me, Ellie Krug. Ellie 2.0 Radio on AM 950. Happy Monday to you. Happy first Monday in March. Oh, my goodness. We're almost there. We're getting closer and closer to spring. The piles of snow up here in Minneapolis are getting smaller and smaller. And to all of my friends in the world... Um, hello, welcome to LE 2.0 Radio. I am just thrilled to be here. Um, we're coming off of uh, the station's AM 950's Blue State Ball yesterday. Um, remember, the show is taped. Um, and it was so good to meet listeners like uh, Lynn, the hot chocolate lady, uh, or I should say hot chocolate chick. She brought me hot chocolate once um, when I was doing a speaking. And I met Anthony, I met Vicky, and... Oh, a bunch of whole other people that I can't name right at the moment. It was good. And I was really impressed with the number of people who came up to me during this event who said that they listened to the show and that it meant a lot to them. I mean, my goodness, thank you to all of you who listen regularly or even irregularly. And, and thank you just for tuning in. I am so grateful for our listenership. Okay, um, so... Uh, what are we going to do today? Now, you know that um, ordinarily in my A block here, I highlight either a contemporary or historical idealist, but I'm going to deviate from that practice, and I'm going to talk about my trip to South Dakota last week. Um, I talk, I've been talking about going to South Dakota. Uh, a lot happened, and there's just not enough time in the C block for me to share about it. And so this show is going to be a little bit different. You're going to hear about uh, this stuff at the front end of the, of the show. I went to South Dakota because there was a bill um, in the House called, um, the, uh, the title of the bill was HB, <coughs> the number of the bill was HB 1057. And in its original form, it sought to, to criminalize, um, that, as in to make felons of any healthcare professional, doctors, nurses, physicians, assistants, anybody in the healthcare world who provided, who provided healthcare to a transgender kid or youth under the age of 18, where that healthcare related to their gender identity. So this would be healthcare related to, uh, to, um, to hormone blockers, healthcare related to uh, the use of hormones, healthcare related to other things um, tied into their gender identity. Um, uh, the bill later got modified, uh, dropped, the, uh, dropped the felony status to misdemeanor, but still uh, healthcare professionals risked a year in jail. And then once it, in that modified form, it passed the Republican-controlled House in the South Dakota legislature. Um, the, the bill then went to the Senate, uh, um, where it, uh, the South Dakota Senate, where it died in committee the week before I was set to go to South Dakota. The bill died because transgender folks and their allies, and many in the business community, think um, like major corporations, didn't want the stigma of having South Dakota as a state that did this to transgender kids and youth and to their, their healthcare professionals. So there was a lot of lobbying uh, to South Dakota senators, and the bill died in committee. But because the sentiment still exists and because this is part of a yearly pattern in South Dakota, two years ago it was a bill to ban transgender people from using public bathrooms. Last year it was a bill about transgender people, um, transgender kids in locker rooms and um, engaging in sports. All of those bills failed. Um, because there's a pattern there, there's this 
ongoing, regular pattern of trying to marginalize transgender humans in South Dakota. I still went to South Dakota, even though the bill had died. Now, um, uh, my work, I went to South Dakota. I did it on a pro bono basis. Um, my costs were picked up in part by uh, Transformation Project South Dakota. Um, Susan Williams, who I had on the show um, about three weeks ago, that was her nonprofit. They paid a little bit of my expense. And then I have a there's a nonprofit here that I'm associated with, Human Ripple Works. Uh, that, if, and if you go to, um, if you get my newsletter, you'll be able to, to uh, read about uh, Human Ripple Works, or you can just Google it, humanrippleworks.com. Um, so they help reimburse me, but my time was all for free. I it was pro bono, and uh, you know that's neither here nor there. What did I do in South Dakota? I did a lot. So before I even went, I did a radio interview with South Dakota Public Broadcasting. And on that uh, interview, I talked about, I, I set the theme. The theme was about how we need to stop othering humans. Um, people are othering, you know, making transgender and LGBTQ people into other or into different people so that it's easier to marginalize them. And my community... My, the LGBTQ community, the transgender community, we need to stop othering the people who other us, okay? So we need to stop marginalizing or making fun of people in religious communities or conservative communities. We need to change the way the conversation is. And that was part of what I talked about on South Dakota Public Radio. Um, and I've got to tell you, as the interview was going on, the host kept saying that there were many comments coming in um, and she was relating uh, that the comments were positive. Oh, you know, we're really happy that you're interviewing uh, this person, Ellie Krug. Um, we look forward to Ellie Krug coming to South Dakota. And that was fine. I'm not telling you that story but I'm, to make me great. But I will tell you, as soon as I got done with the interview, the producer, a man, came on. And he said, thank you, Ellie, for, you know, being on the show. And, I mean, we weren't on the air at that point. And, and I said, okay, well, I said, your, your host told me all the good comments. I said... Now let me know what hate comments came in while I was on the radio. And to my surprise, the producer said, Ellie, there are no hate comments. I thought that that was just really wonderful. I did. So then I ended up on uh, Thursday driving to South Dakota. Um, I went to Vermilion. I uh, spoke at, um, I didn't speak, I was on South Dakota public television as part of a panel. Susan Williams, who I just referenced, who had been on the show, was also on the panel. We had somebody from the uh, ACLU in South Dakota on there as well. And then we had a 22-year-old transgender man. So that's somebody identified as female at birth, but now identifies as male. His name is Samson. My goodness, he is just such a delight. And Stephanie Rissler, who is the host of um, South Dakota Focus, um, it was a uh, she tried to get uh, the Republican legislator who had introduced HB 1057 on the show, but his schedule wouldn't allow it. But so the show must go on. And um, again, I spoke about the need to protect transgender kids. I need. I spoke about how when you have the government um, saying that you are unworthy, that it affects the well-being of of transgender kids, actually the well-being of all transgender humans and gay and lesbian and bisexual humans as well. Um, I talked about how um, the bills, uh, these criminalization bills, are part of a national pattern um, because there are organizations out of there, out in the, in the country called Alliance Defending Freedom, formerly the Heritage Group. It's a very conservative Christian-related organization that's out um, trying to 
Roll Back the Clock as it relates to marriage equality. There's another organization called ALEC, ALEC, A-L-E-C, the American Legislative Exchange Council. They're the ones who write bills. They, they create these bills. They're just pattern bills. They're like forms. And they give them to legislators. Uh, usually they give them uh, campaign contributions. And the legislators go and file the bills. And they're, you know, they, they introduce the legislation in their states. So they're right now, at least of last week, there were 12 states with similar bills to South Dakota's about criminalizing health care. They all come out of ALEC and the Alliance Defending Freedom. I mean, nobody's sitting down, you know, composing a bill from scratch. So this is all part of a national pattern, national movement to marginalize transgender people. Okay, well, while I was on TV, um, on uh, South Dakota Public Broadcasting, I asked, you know, Stephanie had an iPad there. She said, we keep getting comments in. Um, And then when we got done with the show, it was an hour-long show, I said, okay, Stephanie, tell me about the hate comments that came in while we were doing the show. I mean, this hour-long show about protecting transgender people, hour-long show in South Dakota, I wanted to know what hate comments there were. And you know what Stephanie told me, the host? She said, Ellie, there are no hate comments. All right, and then while I was in South Dakota, I also ended up meeting with a transgender woman who's 66 who just had come out within the last couple of years as transgender. We talked about, um, we had lunch, just the two of us, and we talked about how um, we lose people when we do that. And she had, she has four adult children and some are accepting or not. I went to Augustana University, a Lutheran college. I spoke to several LGBTQ students there. I gave them some cheerleading. I told them more about the, the need to about how they have grit and resiliency, and we shared some ideas on how to approach parents and grandparents who don't understand the same sex attractions and love. Um, I suggested that they talk about love because I'm remembering when we defeated the anti-marriage amendment in 2012, we did that not by banging on the table. You just heard me do that. We did that by talking about love between people. Um, and that Friday evening, I met with faith leaders, um, several faith leaders, to talk about my work. I shared that what I'm finding across America is that we actually care about each other far more than anyone believes. You've heard me say that before. You will hear me say that again. We do care about each other far more. And one of the faith leaders who was a chaplain at a prison who actually he and his wife had driven up from Sioux City to come and, and sit and talk with me. Um, the chaplain said to me, Ellie, you've given me hope. Um, I had not had hope believing that we are all caring about each other. Finally, the next day on Saturday, I did my Bridging Divides talk on how to get past othering of humans and resetting the conversation so that we can start talking with each other. There are about 60 people in the audience, um, and um, before the talk, I did a TV interview with a local station, and and um, and uh, if you want to see that interview, you can go to my website, italycrew.com, and look for uh, the drop-down about interviews. Um, I, didn't, I don't look too bad on that interview for a change. As I started the talk, I... You know, I said that um, if you were unfamiliar with transgender people, perhaps that you had supported the health care criminalization bill. Perhaps you were from a more um, conservative religious community. I told everybody in the audience that they were welcome. I did. Because it does no good to shame or, or belittle people. I absolutely want those folks, those folks who are intolerant, I want them 
to be in the audience because I want them to know that I am just a human just like they are. And again, no negative comments whatsoever. No protesters. I am now three days post-South Dakota. Um, that TV interview has been up there. There have been people coming to my website. I can see the analytics are going kind of crazy. I have not a single email from anyone that is disrespectful, hate-filled, or in any way intolerant. And may I remind you, I was just in South Dakota. Our country is way better than anybody believes. It is. And while it's just a small group of people in South Dakota that are looking to marginalize transgender people, the vast majority of people, vast majority, just want us to let us live our lives just like they want to be left to live their lives. Okay, well, I've gone on a little bit long here on this segment about South Dakota. I, this will be the last time I really speak about it, but um, it was a good experience. This is what an idealist does. This is what I do, and I will continue to do work like this as long as I continue to breathe. We'll be back after our break. I've got a great guest, Caitlin Rogers. You're going to like her. She's got a lot of pep, and uh, then we'll do my C-block. Thank you so very much. Branding Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. Brending Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. And we're back. On AM 950 LE 2.0 radio. Okay, and so I hope that I did not bore you ad infinitum with my story about South Dakota and my work there. But thank you so very much for putting up with that. And um, But now we get to pivot, and I have a really, really cool guest here in the, in the studio. I have Caitlin Rogers, who is the co-founder of this really rocking uh, organization called Next Day Animations, which is a... Uh, a B Corporation, and I'm going to let Caitlin explain that to you, but it's, you know, about social justice and, well, social conscience at least. And uh, Caitlin is also, she's a graduate of Verlum College. She happens to be a mom. She's got a, um, a husband, and she she has been featured in the Star Tribune and the Minnesota Business Magazine. Uh, 
all because she is an innovative rock star who is not even 40 years old. Caitlin <laughs> Rogers, welcome to LA 2.0 Radio. Thank you. I'm honored to be here, Ellie. Well, and, and I'm honored to have you, but you're not here because you're a rock star. You're here because you're an idealist. And just so the audience gets a very quick idea, I met you a couple of months, no, weeks ago when you came and presented to my Rotary Club mm-hmm. about your company and about the work that you were doing. And as soon as, I don't, I don't even think you've been speaking more than two minutes, I'm like, I'm going to have her on my radio show. (laughs) So welcome to LA 2.0 Radio. Thank you so much. So, Caitlin, let's begin by first, why don't you tell us what Next Day Animations is? And give us an idea of how how you fell into that, okay? uh, Absolutely. So Next Day Animations, we are an explainer animation studio. So what we do is we make usually about two-minute-long animations or videos for other organizations. Sometimes they're businesses, sometimes they're government, sometimes they're nonprofit. Uh, what they all have in common is they have important but maybe complex or potentially boring messages that they need to get across to, to an audience. So what we do is we uh, tap into the power of humor, the power of animation to captivate an audience. And, and I, I kind of say trick them into paying attention long enough to get it and to care. Right. Right. So, so how did you fall into that? I mean, how, yeah. you know, it, I mean, it is a very unique um, business, a very unique company. Um, and I want to hear more about it, But how did yeah. you get into it? Uh, you know, the, the backwards way that everybody uh, falls into things in their life. I, I was working for nonprofits and I was working in politics and I was going along my career there and, uh, you know, looking around and realizing um, I I was doing work that I, I was I was just burnt out. I was doing at the time it was political issue campaigns. Um, so there's always this, these election cycles and these uh, you know crazy campaigns. You're working mm-hmm. nights and weekends, and I thought right. I, my soul can't do this anymore. I need to take a break. What am I going to do? Naturally, I did the next thing that people do when they leave politics. I worked at a Quaker summer camp. <laughs> <laughs> Naturally, of Naturally, course. Yeah. <laughs> in the middle of Virginia uh, called Camp Teen Adventure. And that is where I met my business partner, Jesse Ostell, who is out of Baltimore. Uh, he, at the time, was working with nonprofits and had a project that he uh, – we talked over just one lunch uh, one day at camp and said, oh, what do you do outside of, or outside of camp? Uh, and he said, oh, maybe we could work together. And he thought, sure, sure, sure. So uh, long story short, that was seven years ago, seven and a half years ago, and the first project, which I was intimidated to to say yes to, he, he mentioned the word client coaching, and I thought, I can't coach anybody on anything. Uh, so I said a Minnesota no. I said, I can help with creative side. <laughs> and that became our first project, and it turns out that I love business, and I never, I always thought, I thought that to make a difference in the world, you had to work at a nonprofit, and uh, have been delightfully surprised to find out that business is another vehicle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, you know, look at, you know, Bill Gates. Yeah. (laughs) It's making a difference. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) So, um, but your company involves animation. I mean, it involves drawing. And and just so the audience knows, because you showed us a video at the Rotary thing about um, voting. Yeah. Um, And... You know, the animation is you're literally seeing somebody draw. You know, we've all seen it where you've got like the hand there and, or the pen and people are drawing and drawing, you know, from stick figure to something and to something to something. But they're all going along. It's very um, – it, it keeps your attention. There's no doubt about it. Um, how did you – how did you 
drop into that? Yeah, so uh, our very first project was not an animation. It was actually a 40-page-long public policy research report. Okay, I just fell asleep. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so did everybody else. Sorry, everybody just tuned out. Um, so how do you overcome the, the boredom that comes with public policy? Well, we suggested to our client, listen, your recommendations for this report are on page 39 out of 40. We think you need to bring more attention to your recommendations. Maybe you should try an animation or an infographic. And they said, great, can you do that? And we said, uh, sure. But we, we did not know what we were doing at the beginning. Right. We were figuring it out. Um, and once we did, that project was five animations. We realized, wait a second, this this works 10 times better than a report for, for getting a message across. So uh, we were stuck on animations, and from then on, we were helping folks use animation. So you had to go though. You had to go find artists. Yep, we yep we found artists. Uh, we we found professional voiceover folks that we work with closely now. Uh, and yeah, we we were not animators, but we loved animation, and that's what brought us in. Okay, now but. You in seven years you built the company from just the two of you to now you have what over thirty uh, in twenty as of as of tomorrow I think we'll have number twenty starting. Okay, twenty team members. Yeah. All yep. right, but you put up uh, when you were at the Rotary Club. You put up a picture of your team, and your team is very diverse in terms of color. It looks like very diverse in terms of gender and maybe sexuality as well. Visible LGBTQ status. Uh, I mean, we, we we care about it. I wouldn't say we're as diverse as we could be, but. Um, but we definitely are are very intentional about uh, creating a diverse and inclusive team. Okay, well, <clears throat> that's easier um, said than done uh, in our environment here. What is a B Corp? Yeah, a B Corp. Uh, so, so there's actually two different uh, different designations. There's a benefit corporation, which is hilariously different than a B Corp. <laughs> uh, a benefit corporation is a state designation. Uh, they essentially mean the same thing. It's it's for uh, organization or, or business that is doing work beyond a goal of profit. So they're doing work for uh, for for the common good. Uh, a B Corp is a specific designation. It's the symbol with the B inside of a circle. Yep. And uh, it's, it's kind of like an organic symbol is hard to get. A B Corp uh, certification you really have to work at. And it's a, it's a higher bar than states have for what it means to be an organization doing social and environmental good. Okay, and but so you have to qualify for it, and yeah, yeah, the, and the Secretary of State issues the B Corp certification. N not even Secretary of State; it's a whole different uh, organization called B Labs that that does the work. Oh, really? Yep. Okay. Yep. All right. So, and so, how does how does your company qualify to do that? Uh, so it took us about eighteen months. When we started the process, we thought we're good people doing good things. This will be easy. Uh, and there's actually an assessment to become a B Corp. So really, yep. So you have to score a certain number, uh, and uh, it's a two hundred point assessment. You have to score an eighty in order to become a B Corp. First time we took it, I think we scored a forty five. And Ooh. We, yeah, okay. we were like, uh oh, okay. Uh, so it's it's cool because it doesn't tell you exactly what you have to do, but it gives you all these different routes of how you could be doing social good as a business, and, and you can choose from that. Okay. Well, when we come back from our break, we're going to take a break. I want to know what, what are the routes that your company's doing for social good, okay? Great. And then we want to talk about you, okay. uh, Caitlin uh, Rogers, the idealist, okay? All right. Well, listeners, uh, we've been speaking with Caitlin Rogers, uh, who is here from Next Day Animation, which is a darn cool 
uh, company. We'll get you the website on the next uh, segment. Um, you're listening to me, Ellie Krug, um, Ellie, on Ellie 2.0 Radio. If you like what you hear, visit my website at elliekrug.com. Follow me on Twitter, at Ellie Krug is the handle. And uh, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more with Caitlin. Thanks. This is Ellie Krug from Ellie 2.0 Radio on Mondays from 7 to 8 a.m. Many listeners know that I founded Human Inspiration Works LLC, which trains on human inclusivity and on how to be welcoming diverse humans. Today, organizations of all sizes find that they need to train team members on diversity and inclusion. I can do that. Many say that my trainings change the way they see the world. I'd love to help make your organization more welcoming. For more information, go to humaninspirationworks.com. Thank you. At Better Futures Minnesota, we believe everyone deserves a fair shot. We believe in personal redemption and second chances, and that those who are dedicated to change and hard work should have the opportunity to achieve success and make a positive impact in the community. The men we embrace and serve have made mistakes, but they aren't bad people. We work with men who take responsibility for their past and are committed to doing better, who work to create a better life for themselves, their family, and the community. Learn more at BetterFuturesMinnesota.com. And we're back on AM 950 LE 2.0 Radio. Um, we've been speaking with Caitlin Rogers from uh, Next Day Animations. And Caitlin, before we took our break, you started talking about uh, your company being a B Corp. Um, and I have some familiarity with that because I work with a marketing uh, firm that's a B Corp as well. So what, what social justice, what good is it that your company is doing that qualifies for that, but just generally? Yeah, that's a, a great question. So I'd say there's really two levels. There's the work that we are doing in terms of what pr- we're producing. So we are partnering with values-based, mission-based nonprofits, uh, to help them bring their important messages to the world and, and do do more good as organizations. And then there's this other level, which is how we operate as a business. I joke sometimes about the idea of a, a like the world's most ethical zipper company because I don't think you have to be making something that is tangibly um, like good in order to be doing good. Um, I think you could be operating a business in a really beautiful um way grounded in equity uh, without having to go out there and, you know, be doing an incredible mission. You can just be doing your regular work, but in an incredible way. Yeah, you could, I mean, be making widgets, but being yeah. pay, but paying people living yes. wages. Yes, Okay, yep. having forward-thinking policies on leave, on mm-hmm. pregnancy, on, you know, um, I just, it's interesting because I worked with a, a law firm last week and... Um, They've they've instituted um, or they've adopted. There are these programs out there that you can your company can tap into. One was about fertility, yeah. about assisting uh, couples that were having fertility issues, and the other different company um, that you know they've subscribed to, which is about helping people with um, elder care. So, mm-hmm. you know. Folks working in the office worried about their parents, worried about their aging parents. This company gives you um, a navigator. They help um, uh, bring people in to help care for your parents and and all that stuff. And these were benefits that this law firm was offering its team members. Yeah, people talk about the triple bottom line, profits, planet, and people. 
rather than just profit. So, you know, not okay. and people being your employees, but also everybody you interact with in business. Okay. So you've got the triple, you're doing the triple bottom line. That's what we're going for. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And how is it working? It's I working mean, really well. It's, yeah. It's working really well. We're, we're unorthodox as a company. A lot of the things that we do because our, our values say we should. So around things like pay equity or making decisions by consensus um, or slowing down to have really intentional process around the way we do things. It's not common business. It's not the common wisdom of how to run a successful business. Sometimes it's really counter to that. Right. But for us, it adds so much more meaning and engagement and it's what we want to do. It's it's what we care about. So a lot of our, our team members come out of the nonprofit world or arts world. Uh, so they, they want to be making a difference and we get to be doing that together as a team. So, but if you run a business every once in a while, somebody's going to make a decision that, you know, somebody's not going to like. And are you the one that makes that gets to make that decision? Sometimes, although we really do try to uh, have all of our decisions grounded in our values. So our values are partnership, inventiveness, clarity, and authenticity. So we always go back to those four when we're making a tough decision, um, and you know, try to explain what that decision's about. And uh, and we really do have a, a relatively flat organization in terms of different groups coming coming to the table and different volunteer committees that are making some of the biggest decisions. Right. Okay. Well, I'm, and I'm a, I'm a huge believer about infusing compassion into the workplace. So I had um, somebody, well, I think it was the law firm last week. I don't know. It, within the last week, somebody came to me about how do we, how do we add compassion into the, into the mix when sometimes you have to make very tough business decisions. Mm. Uh, tell me, what is the website if people want to find out about Next Day Animations? Nextdayanimations.com. Okay. Now, Caitlin, you're, um, you're in your mid-30s. You're running a company. It's a rock star company, as far as I can tell. It is very, very innovative. You're starting, I mean, obviously, you're getting attention for the work that you're doing. What made you who you are? Okay, because it is not a given you know, I saw you drove up here to the radio station in a Hyundai, so you're not like driving, um, I don't see you driving a, you know, a Mercedes. And, um, but, but there are values that are inherent in that. But so, um, you know, and so you're, you're a go-getter. Um, obviously, you're like, you know, really um, hard worker and go-getter, but you also have this orientation about how the world should be mm -hmm. in a more equitable way. How did you get to be this way? You know, I don't know how to... Um, uh, big influences in my life were things like the Girl Scouts. <laughs> I was a Girl Scout for nine years. Okay. Uh, other, you know, major influences in my life as a young person. Uh, I, I was... <laughs> very involved in marching band. And from that, I, uh, in the YMCA, I was very into YMCA camps. And I, I got grounded in leadership in all three of those organizations. Uh, and just the idea that leadership isn't about uh, being out in front and getting the attention, but it's about like, how can you serve the people around you better? Uh, how can you bring people in? How can you make a difference? Uh, so for me, I think as a young person, uh, my sister, I have an older sister who's been very influential. She's always been my hero that I've looked up to. Uh, and just seeing her and how she lives and makes an impact in the world uh, has, has always influenced me. What does she do? Uh, right now, she is an organizational consultant. Uh, her name is Laura Johansson, and she helps uh, groups around the Twin Cities and around the world with strategic planning. Okay. Well, all right. So... Um, 
you know, very often what we hear, I hear, because almost everyone who comes in for an interview, I ask what made you an idealist. Very often I, I, I do hear that there was a, a parent or a grandparent or somebody else, a teacher, somebody else that was like this just complete role model that imprinted. And as they went forward, this was the thing that they remembered. Did, do you have one of those people in your life? Uh, you know, I'm lucky that I've had, I've had a lot of people to look up to. Um, I, I think this is very silly, but uh, in marching band, I went off to this camp led by a man named George N. Parks. He was the, the U.S.'s, uh, I would say, most uh, well-known drum major leadership coach and teacher. Okay, all right. <laughs> and I joke about it, but it really stays, the things that I learned, I mean, when you're 16 or 17 years old, yeah, the course. things, yeah, that, that stick with you, it, it was defining for me to hear somebody say, sit up as straight as you can, now sit up a little taller. <laughs> you know, just little small things yeah. where you realize like, oh, uh, my, my whole, um, my whole self-limiting beliefs uh, are affecting every, everything that I uh. see and what I do. And how do you get past that? Okay. Well, I'll tell you something. So, you know, my work is around um, diversity and inclusion and a whole lot of other things, but all about trying to make the world better. Um, I want to ask you for the last few minutes that we have here about imagination. Mm. Because the thing that I continue to, to realize is what holds us back is a lack of imagination. We've done this the same way for the last, you know, 50 years. Why are we going to change? Um, particularly in the nonprofit world, I've mm -hmm. found that using imagination is like the last thing that they do. <laughs> I, you know, I just painted with a broad brush. I know. Sorry, nonprofit leaders. I love you all. Um, what? Why do we have such a difficult time with imagination? And do you agree with me that if imagination is is one of the primary vehicles for social change. A hundred percent, absolutely. I think people have the curse of knowledge where they know what they know, they don't know how to unknow that, and they don't know what they don't know. So I think it's, a, a, I would say, one of the biggest challenges is being trapped in our own perspectives. I can't go into your brain and know what you know. I can't, um, you know, I'm... I'm trapped in my own head. So what we see is what we can imagine. If what we can see is limiting our imagination, then how do we ever get past that? Um, so. Well, right. But, but, it, <laughs> but it's a huge problem. And, yeah. it's, and, it, and when you combine fear with yeah. a lack of imagination, yeah. I mean, that, that's what leads to our stagnation. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, we're taping this show a couple of days after uh, Bernie Sanders um, really rocked the Nevada uh, primary. And um, I, you know, say what you will about Sanders, but one thing that you can't, you, you can't say is he doesn't have imagination. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's broadly proposing a, a bunch of different things using imagination on how to do that. Yeah, and I, I, do, I do love the idea of the prophetic imagination or using science fiction as inspiration for what could be because you really do have to visualize something before we can bring it into existence. So Right, yeah. right. But I just, I don't think that we talk enough about the need for greater imagination. I mean, I, and um, one of the things, you know, you you spoke a, a, you used the word perspective a little bit ago, and um, 
you know, I'm, I'm always talking about how it's so different, you know, where I'd lived um, for 52 years presenting as male and now I get to present finally as Hildy Krug, but how my perspective has changed going from, you know, being identified as male now to female. And, and all of that change in perspective, that is what fuels my work. I mean, I had no idea that the world could be so unfair mm. to so many people. I had no idea of that when I presented as ostensibly a straight, white-color man. Mm. And, um, and now I have a, well, <laughs> big idea about that. You know, and, and what, I mean, what do, you, what do, you, do you see the world as an unfair place? Yes, and uh, I see people every day rising up to challenge that, which is what inspires me. Um, you know, I, I, I see that we don't have an equal playing field for folks, um, you know, depending on the lottery of birth, where, mm -hmm. where you're born and who you're born to, you have incredibly different chances in life. Uh, and what inspires me is seeing folks who are saying, you know, this isn't this isn't the way it should be, and what can we do to really lift folks up so that everybody has what they need? Well, when, when I was in South Dakota, I had somebody, uh, a white-color woman, say that she she was really trying to change, you know, things, but she felt guilt, okay, because of of you know her background and what she had. And my response back was, you know, you you didn't create the system. But you certainly can do something about making the system different. Yeah, absolutely. And leveraging that privilege. Yeah. Well, Caitlin, it's really been great to talk to you. Um, and I really, I'm thrilled about your company, Next Day Animations. Uh, and why don't you give the website one more time? Nextdayanimations.com. Okay. And um, I just, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to see what other good work that you're doing. And uh, just uh, stay in touch, okay? Thank you, Elliot Tonar. Thanks for being on LA 2.0. All right. Well, listeners, we just got done speaking with Caitlin Rogers, the co-founder of Next Day Animations. Go check out their website. Um, she's a rock star. You're going to hear her name again and again and again in the Twin Cities. I guarantee you. And um, I guarantee you me, uh, you can go visit my website at elliekrug.com. If you want to follow me on Instagram, it's at elliejkrug on Instagram. you got to throw that J in there. And uh, I'll be back in a minute. We'll do my C block and wrap her up. Thanks so very much. At Better Futures Minnesota, we transform the lives of men and support Minnesota's environment by working towards zero waste. Our approach reaffirms each man's dignity and supports self-sufficiency. Better Futures Minnesota is a work training model. Through our reuse, retail warehouse, and supervised work crews with specialized in residential and commercial building deconstruction, property maintenance, appliance recycling, and janitorial services, we demonstrate ways to employ hire-to-employ men on a pathway to independence. Hire our work crews at BetterFuturesMinnesota.com. Branding Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com.
back on AM 950, LE 2.0 Radio. Okay, Caitlin Rogers, you're going to hear that name, as I said at the end of the block. You're going to hear that name again. You're going to hear about her company, Next Day Animations. Um, I have I have every expectation in the world. She is going to do far more than just simply run a company. So just stay tuned, okay? She's only 35 years old. I wish I had um, the grit and, and imagination that... At 35 that she has now. So, all right. Well, listen, we're in my C block. Um, South Dakota wasn't all that I did um, last week, okay? Uh, one of the things I did was uh, go to Chicago and train a law firm. And then I trained a credit union um, in St. Paul. Both of those trainings were on my gray area thinking training about general human inclusivity. But I want to just tell you about Chicago a little bit because in Chicago, I took the blue line in from O'Hare to the downtown loop. I don't know if you've ever been on the blue line, but blue line, it's a, you know, it's like a subway train. Um, but I will tell you, um, you sit on the blue line from O'Hare, uh, down to a Washington station in uh, downtown Chicago. So you're on the train for about, I don't know, 45, 50 minutes. You are going to see more humanity in that 45 or 50 minutes. Um, uh, you're going to see more humanity in that in that short period of time than uh, you're going to see in Minneapolis or St. Paul, or, or God forbid, in um, you know Worthington. Um, uh, than you're going to see in in a month, okay? And um, and when I talk about humanity, uh, I'm talking about people attempting to survive the human condition. You've got everybody on the full range, the full spectrum. You have well dressed people. Um, with high-end luggage uh, coming back from some foreign country trip that they took uh, to people who look like um, they might be homeless, all crammed into, you know, a commuter rail car. And, um, and I, that's, uh, for me, an observer of humans, um, I loved it, frankly. I did, for the most part, okay? On the way into the city, so from going from O'Hare to downtown, the downtown loop, I, uh, a, a young Latina, um, uh, a, a young Hispanic uh, woman for our other listeners. Um, I later learned that she was 19 years old. She sat down next to me. Um, uh, she had what looked like uh, her boyfriend uh, sitting across from her. Um, so he was in the opposite seats. Uh, so we're on one side of the car. He's on the other side of a car in a row of seats. And the two of them were talking back and forth and laughing with each other, doing the things that teenagers do, just being themselves. But at one point, um, uh, I, I commented to the young woman that she was muy bonita, very, very pretty. And she smiled at me, um, and we started talking. And just out of the blue, fairly early on into what we were talking, uh, she asked me if I'd ever had any surgery. Now, I'm a transgender woman. Um, I, I have had surgery. I, so, of course, that got my radar up as to what, you know, where will this conversation go? But she didn't press it with me. And I didn't answer whether I'd had it or not. But I asked her why was she asking me about surgery? Um, you know, and I don't know, maybe it was one of those things that, you know, when you meet a stranger, sometimes, you you know, you start saying things to strangers that are honest and true that you don't ever say to people that know you. But at any rate, she told me that she had wanted to have cosmetic surgery to look prettier. 
And I've got to tell you, I was absolutely shocked by this because this woman, this Latina, was very beautiful. She had jet black hair um, under a ball, baseball cap. She was very well-dressed, high cheekbones, beautiful eyes. And I told her that she was beautiful and that surgery should be the last thing that she would ever want. In response, she held up her cell phone. And she said that others tell her that she's not beautiful and that, in fact, she needs surgery. So other people were telling her this. And wow, I'll tell you, that drove to me drove home to me the intense pressure and judgment our young people are doing to each other. I again reassured her that she was absolutely beautiful, and she smiled and she thanked me. Um, and I, I, I asked her what she wanted to be for a career, and she said she wanted to be a doctor. And of course, hearing that warmed my heart. Takeaway, if you have a kid in your life, Please remind them that they are good just as they are. Remind them to ignore the hurtful judgments of others. Um, remind them that middle school and high school will someday be over. And when that day and that day will come fairly soon, they can go out into the world, they can make their own life just as who they are. And remind them of the need to believe in themselves, to love themselves. And this is so important because if you don't love yourself, it is so much easier to marginalize and not like and unlove other people. So, okay, there you go. We've got another show in the can. As they say in this radio world, I need to thank my sponsors. Um, and let's pull them up here, Ellie. A big thanks to Brending Electrolysis. I just saw Bev Brending yesterday. Thank you, Bev, for sponsoring the show. And a big thanks to my other sponsor, Better Futures Minnesota. Brett Johnson is my producer. He is a rock star producer. Brett, I just love working with you every week. You are just so nice. Um, and to my listeners, thank you for tuning in to Ellie 2.0 Radio. Thank you for... Um, uh, thank you for valuing uh, the stuff that I talk about, putting up with my ahs and ums, and um, just please go out in the world. Go and make it a better place. Go and do good. Go and feel good about yourselves, and I'll talk to you next week. Thanks. Thanks.